something is fun maybe for someone else doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be fun for you, but just give it a try. Just kind of see what, see it for yourself. So there are research-based things, studies, and various things out there that discuss fun, and one of them talks about that unstructured play. So I don't even really know how I would implement unstructured play into my life. Like, I have no idea because it's like unstructured, improvised fun where you're discovering and creating the rules for yourself as you go. This reminds me of when I was on the playground as a youth. I don't think I could do that now. And I was like playing Felicity and American Girls. Yes. Oh, gosh. So was I. Oh, my God. It was so amazing. Felicity? Well, uh, yeah, I, I had a group of like four friends, or I would play Little Women, and oh, everyone yeah, was fighting yes. over who got to be and Joe. Who got to be Joe, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Multi Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you, and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are talking about fun. That's right, it is 2020 fun now, and it's about time that we freaking had some of it. Oh, so much fun this year. Yeah. I mean, considering how not fun last year was, we can only go up from here, baby. (laughs) Let's hope. Seriously, though, in this episode, we're looking at some research on the importance of having fun and enjoyment in life, particularly when you live in a culture like ours that teaches us that fun is a guilty pleasure and we should feel bad about having it, and that the best measure of health and success is productivity and seriousness and how much money you make, which is not actually a good measure of quality of life or your place in the world. with, With relationships is we kind of measure quality of relationship by you know like how far along the escalator we are what milestones Mm -hmm. have we hit are we heading in the kids and home buying direction which all those things can be fun but there's also a a big not fun aspect to them for a lot of people those milestones right right and either way it sucks if that's kind of the only way that we're given to to measure things and to measure our success or our quality of life or our worth as people which sucks So I wanted to start off by talking about what are the messages that we've been given about fun? Like they're mean messages. (laughs) Yes. But like, what, what are they? Like, where did we get these messages about fun? So I was thinking specifically of like why we feel guilty for having fun. And I thought about the saying idle hands are the devil's playground that like classic Puritan, yeah, that sounds Same, very puritanical. Right? It's like if you're not actively working, then the devil's gonna get you. <laughs> right? Well, like, okay, we're else? going back to history lessons. Yeah. The one that steps out st- uh, stands out to me is what? There's that famous quote that supposedly John Smith said about whoever he who does not work shall not eat. And uh, hmm. I I feel like a lot of the sentiment we have around fun is tied up in our sentiments also around just like not working or relaxing or resting as well. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode too, how we're going to broaden our definition of fun to also 
resting and relaxing. I think sometimes when people think of fun, they think of structured fun. And mm-hmm. while there's benefit in that too, there's other types of fun. But but what else? Like where did the two of you get messaging in your lives about fun? I feel like I mean Yeah, yeah, what do you Well, get? I I got I got a lot of if you procrastinate then you're like a bad person. Totally. And of course mm-hmm. I I procrastinate all the time. And it's not necessarily a bad thing for me. For me specifically, we've talked about this. Like sometimes right. having that pressure is a good thing. However, I I do feel like I always have to be doing something or else mm. I'm a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> or a lazy totally. person. Like laziness, I think, is what perhaps you're going to be called if you have too much fun. Yes. Right. I definitely got that messaging that fun comes last. Yeah. In all situations. I don't care if it's your birthday. I don't care if it's the wow. weekend. Like fun comes last in most circumstances. I think that and and gosh, what else did I get from my family of origin? I guess also the sense of if one person isn't having fun, nobody can have fun. So like if one person is having to uh. work or be productive, then everyone else should feel bad yes. for not working or not oh, being productive. Man. I'm glad yeah. you touched on that one, because that's one that that to this day still really pervades things for me, that if my partner or a family mm-hmm. member or something is is working or doing a chore, I'm like almost incapable of having somebody. fun. I have to find oh, some totally. kind of work or productive thing to do, because the guilt is so side, strong. Well, on the flip side, also, sometimes if I'm, like, doing a a chore and my partner isn't, then I'm pissy at oh, them. Oh, yeah, right, that's the yeah. thing, is that the flip side is then <laughs> yeah. that you inherit that feeling, and it's kind uh-huh. of self-perpetuating, is yeah. 100%. No one's, if I'm not having fun, no one's allowed to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Stop playing video games, help me. Yeah. Uh, the other one that comes up a lot for me is the whole time is money thing. Oh, yeah. And this is one that I remember really, really hitting me at times when I was super broke. Um, specifically, the roughly, I don't know, 10 years after graduating from college. <laughs> and I guess also <laughs> in college a little bit. But of just being super broke, right? Of, of getting more and more in debt and, you know, worrying about being able to pay bills and stuff like that. And there was this thing of like, I would be either working trying to get a job or trying to find a gig or, you know, working toward things like that or working on skills to get a job and then just getting kind of exhausted by that and wanting to relax and have fun, but then instantly feeling guilty because I don't deserve fun yet because I haven't made any money. That it's kind of like, Mm. it's partly Mm. that fun should come second, but then also this kind of time is money thing of like, if I have time for fun, I should have time for making money. You know, I got that very much when I was still in the entertainment industry. And I think that the entertainment industry, especially for like struggling actors or struggling entertainers really Mm. perpetuates that because it's, it's kind of like on the one hand, yes, if you're someone who's not going to an office job and like, you're trying to build your own career, there's that certain amount of like, quote unquote, kind of hustle culture mentality of you got to be out there hustling and pounding the pavement, taking classes, doing workshops, doing everything that you possibly can do. And therefore, if you're not successful, it's your own damn fault. Mm. Yeah. And so, yeah, that would very much get to me as well, that it's hard to rest and hard to relax when it's kind of like, well, literally any minute of your day could be spent working. Right. And so what's your excuse? Yeah. I want to say 
let's flip the narrative of time is money on its head because you just said jace like 10 years after graduating from college it took you to like maybe get out of debt or to like move in that direction of making money right and i am now 10 years out of college and i'm like just about to pay off my debt and i'm like yeah Time is money. It's taken time. And now I have some money to throw around. <laughs> okay. So there you That's go. This is always how the formula works. Right. But no, I know that. Yeah. Sometimes people just like have money automatically. But I think that the point is like it does take time. And that in the middle of that time that it is taking, you also should have some time for fun because yeah, I mean, there there are moments like where hustling is great and where that's really important, but you have to have some enjoyable moments in your life well because those are what you look back on speaking of flipping things on their head oh please uh you can also okay i've definitely experienced sometimes you can feel guilty about not having fun in certain scenarios and what i'm thinking of specifically is we have this old adage about if you find something that you love you'll never work a day in your life mm-hmm. and so that's also a weird thing of again work comes first so that's why you need to make your work fun because that's your only opportunity <laughs> where that's you're your only option fun. yeah that's your, that's your only thing that you're um, ever going to be doing so if, if it's not fun then you're pretty screwed which has always been weird to me because i've had a lot of jobs that i really enjoyed in my life both because of like the workplace and like work culture was really cool or like when i was dancing professionally like amazing mm. job the job that i do now i i really love but I still feel like I'm working sometimes, right. you know, it, it's this weird combination of like, I do enjoy it. I do love it a lot. Um, but I'm, I still feel like I have worked a day in my life and still have working days in my life. Yes. And so, <laughs> but then I, I think that for a lot of people that can really creep in of like, oh my God, I found my dream job, but it's a grind. I found my dream job, but I'm not really having fun anymore. Is this not actually my dream job? Is this not actually the right work situation for me? Yes. This this idea of the like if you find your passion or your calling or what you're meant to do or whatever that it's not ever going to feel like work i think has been one of the the single most harmful things toward my like financial well-being and professional well-being mm. for many many years and it's taken me a long time to unlearn it and i remember the first time i was presented with this idea of hey actually that's not really how it goes and that it's okay to get your fulfillment, not just from the job that makes you money, but from other parts of your life. And that's still, I think I still struggle with it a little bit because this whole idea was so ingrained in me. Mm, Yeah. What about, I'm curious if we got any messaging around how fun or not fun relationships are supposed to be. I mean, I think a lot of people do say like marriage is work Mm -hmm. and that it, it, it i i talked about this a little bit with the two of you before we started this episode but that like in polyamorous relationships it is a lot of work to continually you know be looking at your google calendar <laughs> and figuring out what kind of you know dates you're going to be going on with each of these people and Having more like, discussions around boundaries yes and- more discussions more talking radar triforce all of that stuff that we've you know cultivated <laughs> through to make it fun for all y'all out there but that sometimes do feel like work mm-hmm. and we have like really structured not only our lives but our relationships sometimes to be able to like fit into a box that 
allows us to have enough time to do everything or, you know, to make it more regimented. So that's kind of interesting that we put those parameters around our relationships, too. Yeah, I feel like the thing that I've experienced more in my life, and I feel like I've definitely seen this in other people, too, though, is that is that idea of, but if you find the one, then it's not work. And yeah, right, which I think leads people to feel like, oh, well, guess this one wasn't the one, uh, you know, keep moving on. Because, first of all, the whole idea of the one being a little bit of a problem, but also just this idea that it's easy. Uh, so, yeah, I th- that's interesting. How also, how those two concepts are at odds with each other. But then there's also the the other, the third side of this multidimensional coin. Whoa. Uh-huh. Being <laughs> multidimensional. Of this 20-sided wow. die. Uh, this idea of we're also fed this intense thing of like long-term relationships are work a serious relationship is work Mm. which then when you realize you're not having any fun with this person or any fun in this relationship can lead you just to think well that's kind of how it's supposed to be is once i get married once i'm in a long-term relationship it's work right now i'm just unhappy and that's just how life goes yeah yeah Mm. Yeah. boy well wow we have a complicated relationship with with fun it turns out (laughs) we do (laughs) Definitely. I feel like that's really been perpetuated by like the gig economy, gig culture of oh, yeah. now. The, the fetishization of hustle culture that we've been in for a couple yes. of years now. Yeah. Well, because personally, I see my partner who has a nine to five job, like really be able to just like kind of turn it off on the weekends and mm. do his own thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I have much more of like a gig based life <laughs> where I have like a day job not right now, but when the pandemic isn't happening, I have a day job, and then I've got this, but this requires me to, like, work at weird hours sometimes, and then sometimes we're traveling and things like that, you know, and it doesn't allow for that really specific time of turning it off and just having fun. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, there's a lot of research out there on fun, but it's interesting, like, the way in which... The studies are conducted surrounding fun. It can tell us a lot about, like, the types of things that people are interested in studying. And it tends to be more focused on learning or on productivity or on aging. Things like being a better student or a better worker or your health after you are no longer a worker. I know, like, yeah, my mom even, she she does, like, a bunch of cognitive games on her iPad. Mm. Um, yeah. And, I, yeah, she used to have a DS, actually, and she oh, did, to like... The, to do the, the, what was it? Doctor... Yeah, it was the... Doctor... The doctor train the, your brain. Doctor Bean. Doctor Brain... Doctor Brain doctor, Bean. Doctor... Doctor Brain <laughs> Game Man. Yes, man. yes. Well, <laughs> it was the gentleman who was... I think that it was modeled after the gentleman who passed away, one of the really... Uh, high higher ups in in Nintendo, but you know Doctor Kawashima's brain training. Yes, oh, okay. I, I had that DS yeah. game. Yes, yeah, no, my mom used to do it all the time. Um, it, but yeah, a large of a large amount of the research also on things like happiness. It's directly related to how it affects productivity. Mm. Which again, yeah. it's just like going back around <laughs> to oh, but it all 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 that matters is about work. And about how this can, like, make you a better, more productive human being in society. Like, working and learning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's always it. in the service of how can it make you a better worker, a more produ- productive human being. We're just, like, cogs in the machine. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, just along with that, that it tends to be very much skewed toward either let's look at fun and how it affects learning in children. 
Or let's look at how it affects things like, you know, preventing things like Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff when we're older. Mm-hmm. And that this sort of middle majority of people's lives tends to not be very focused on with this. So not only is it focused on just like, how do you be better, more productive at whatever stage of life you're in, but also kind of this like, well, whatever, during that whole middle part, you're working. So why do we need to research so fun? You're not going to be you're working. Fun. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come Unless on the now. fun is helping you be a better worker, then we don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So other important and interesting things is that specifically play, unstructured play has shown to be really important in childhood development and not just in humans and other mammals as well. And by unstructured play, we're referring to play where essentially you're like making up the game or making up the rules as you are playing. So, you know, this is, this is like make believe play or like Mm -hmm. playing house where like together we're negotiating what's actually happening in the world and what kind of rules we're playing by, as opposed to, Oh, we're going to play baseball and we already know the rules for that. I see my animals, my cats, and I'm sure Uh that like people Mm. see this in any animal, but like every animal wants to play like so, so much in their lives. And you see these cats just like throwing their toys around or chasing each other or chasing their own tail, like creating this unstructured play. And they're so good at it. And I think we as a species can learn a lot from Mm. just the imagination that they must have, or I don't know if they think on, on that kind of level, but just like the fun that they have. And like, clearly their lives are like so surrounded with, I'm going to have some fun right now and I'm freaking out because I just pooped in the litter box and I'm going to run. <laughs> and it makes me want to play. I've got some zoomies. Yeah, exactly. But I, I find that just like really, really endearing always when I see my animals running around because I love them and they're playing. Well, it is so interesting. And I, I think that's why it's so compelling to watch like baby animals of yes. all kinds of species because it's like play is how you figure out social structure and hunting skills and defense skills, you know, even with humans that like, you know, physical play involves this risk of injury, which you would think would not be something that's good, but actually it teaches you a lot about coordination and keeping yourself safe and like what your limits are and what is going to break your arm versus what's not going to break your arm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then specifically a lack of unstructured play in childhood has been linked to aggression and violence and and it makes sense why you know we of course we have this old aphorism about all work and no play makes jack a dull boy which is i guess another kind of conflicting message that we get about play although that's, that's only for boys just for boys only boys mm. only for Not jack for specifically men. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> yeah I, and i do think that that was interesting reading about that in terms of if you think of that um yeah i guess like parenting where it's very much like if my children are playing, that's bad. Like if the parents have been ingrained with that idea that play is irresponsible and bad. And so I'm going to stop that at any moment uh, that actually that has quite far reaching negative impacts on that mm. child as they grow up, that can be very difficult to recover from and, and get over from get, get over. That's the, that's the words we use in English. That's, that's it. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So in looking into research about this, there's honestly not a ton of research about fun just on its own. Um, there is more research about happiness, but again, tends to be linked to things like productivity or maybe health. Um, but it's interesting because I feel like both of these things have a lot of value on their own. 
and we don't really look at that or we don't study that as much. Um, I've even seen in some of the uh, anthropological work, it talks about the idea of play, the fact that we do play, even though it is dangerous, you know, why have we evolved to play is things that perhaps learning to use tools at all, which is one of the fairly defining characteristics of very few creatures on earth, us being one of them, uh, may have evolved from that tendency for play of like, Oh, I'm playing around with this stick and Oh, I realize it does this thing. And Oh, now I can use it as a tool and kind of that it's led us to develop a lot of these things. And also like thinking about looking at kids imitating what adults do when they play, right? Like kids Mm -hmm. playing Mm -hmm. and pretending, you know, something's a computer or they're playing as if they're on their phone or they're right. They're trying to do the things that we do and kind of, figure that out. Uh, Anyway, I don't know. I think it's fascinating. I love childhood development, but that's not what this episode's about. Mm. Hey, uh, something that I found when I was looking into research about happiness, and this is an older study. I think we've even maybe talked about it years ago on this show, but there was a study looking at how income relates to happiness, essentially like does money buy happiness. And well, what's interesting is that up to about seventy thousand dollars. Yes. Right. Oh, I thought it was a hundred thousand. No, no, it's like seventy, it's... seventy-five, something like wow. that. That essentially, essentially, the the reasoning behind it goes that up to a certain point, with less than that, you're struggling to get by, and so that's more of a presence in your life. But Correct. once you hit that point where you know you're able to provide for yourself, and I don't remember if this was individuals or families. I think this was families mm-hmm. specifically that this oh, wow. 70,000 ish number was came about and this was in the U S uh, but anyway, they found that then after that, absolutely no correlation between money and happiness and sometimes even the inverse. Uh, other studies have looked at things like lottery winners. Um, this, this actually was kind of interesting. There's a study that looked at people who had recently won the lottery and people who had recently become seriously injured And that while the people who'd become injured identified that event as being negative, and the people who won the lottery identified that event as being a very happy event, that in terms of their overall happiness, the lottery winners were not any more happy. And in fact, I think they ended up even a little bit less happy. So it's just kind of Mm. this thing of we tend to look at stuff not in this linear mathematical way, which I think frustrates researchers and maybe frustrates policymakers because they can't just put a number on it. But the reality of it is that, that it's not just this one-to-one of like a country's higher GDP doesn't mean the people in it are happier. In fact, often it's the opposite. Um, and things like comparing ourselves to our neighbors, we talk about comparison a lot with, you know, metamors and partners and things that it's the comparisons often that will make us unhappy not the actual things we have or what we're doing. Yeah, that's something to think about with metamors and stuff is that all of that comparison regarding money or thinking like that what somebody else has makes them happier and therefore Mm. more attractive to our partners. It's not necessarily the case because we don't fully always know what's going on there. Also, I looked it up. It's 75,000 individual. Individual. Oh, um, wow. Not okay. a family. Yeah. Because I feel like that's that's a low number for a family. For a family, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In this economy, anyway. Right. <laughs> Especially, like, living in, like, L.A. Yeah, living in any kind of metropolitan area. Yeah. Of 
Yeah, so uh, capitalism. Am I right? Okay, I like <laughs> it. Just, it just yeah, it's, we're in late late stage capitalism here. It's, I don't know. You know, like I feel like the dream of capitalism is the robot worker, right? You know, and until no the day, fun. and until the day that we actually get the actual robot worker, capitalism is just kind of really trying to push human beings to being as close to robots as humanly possible. Right. You know, let's try to minimize the amount of time that you need as far as downtime and recuperation time. Let's minimize the amount of time that you actually need to be around the people that you love or that you actually need to, you know, like, so that's definitely a force that I think pushes us towards this sensation of having guilt or feeling bad about having fun or resting, you know, and of course, capitalism is tied to white supremacy, to puritanism, to all of these like big old bad bag of isms <laughs> isms that yes. are isms, keeping yeah. us down and keeping us not having fun and and not really able to rest yeah when i was thinking about all these old sayings you know like just time is money and idle hands and the devil's playground stuff like that it kind of made me wonder if at some point in the past humans were just very predisposed to being lazy and so we had to come up with all these ways to stop us from it. And I just I thought that don't the, see like, that. Were we, <laughs> yeah. Were we not just like conserving energy and stuff, <laughs> sitting around a campfire, conserving energy and running from wolves or <laughs> cheetahs, <laughs> saber toothed tigers? I don't know. Yeah. And so yeah, we needed to be lazy. Every single anthropologist just like Cringed. grew up. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I'm not an anthropologist. I'm that's, just a podcast host. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, but I think more likely it was these things started coming about because certain structures that were in power really relied on us not having fun and instead just doing stuff so that they can have more money, which they might not be having fun Jesus. either. Right. They might not be having fun either. That's like we said, money doesn't buy happiness, right? It kind of goes all the way up. It sort of hurts everyone in here. So anyway, I think that we're taught these sayings and because we learn them, we think there must be a reason for it. Oh, it must be that we're naturally lazy or I must naturally be lazy or people are lazy. And so we need to fight against that and get people to work harder and motivate them and all that. But when I look around me, what I see is a lot more of people burning themselves out until they're just exhausted. And then they resort to just pure escapism. So not even like fun relaxation, mm -hmm. but pure escapism, right? Just vegging out in front of the TV or whatever, right? And then maybe feeling guilty about it, shaming themselves or maybe shaming others for having fun and then recommitting to their work and going back into the cycle again. And that's not doing any of us any favors in terms of our health and well-being. And it's also not making the world a better place. Yeah, it, it really is. I'm telling you, it's the dream of the robot worker. It's because <laughs> it's this whole thing of like a system that's based on like, how much can we deny just the fact that we have bodies that mm. need rest, need food, get sick, sometimes have more ability, sometimes are disabled, like sometimes need recovery time, you know, and regardless of where you are in that state of body, essentially, you should be feeling bad that you're there. You yeah. know, if you're disabled, you should be feeling bad for not being able to produce as, as much as somebody else. If you're sick, you should be feeling bad for not, you know, just pulling yourself together and going into work anyway. 
Oof, yeah, and that's that's a big one. I mean, okay, it does make me think of the studies that are out there about fun being helpful for productivity or happiness being good for productivity or encouraging your workers to stay home when they're sick and rest being good for your overall productivity. While I think it sucks that we have to have those reasons to study these things, I do think they're useful because that's what convinces businesses to actually make those changes. Right. It's like we're never going to get the the four-day work week or the three-day work week until there's so much empirical evidence that mm-hmm. it's actually going to be make more money for a company right. than not. Exactly. Something that I kind of struggled with this year, uh, I got laid off twice because of the pandemic, and there is this narrative around, like, you know, taking money from the government or being mm-hmm. on unemployment is, like, a bad thing. I definitely, I used to work for a guy... Dedeker did for a moment as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a who, moment. Yeah, just a moment. I worked w- for with him for years, but but he would always say like, oh, all these people in Venice Beach just smoking dope and cashing their welfare checks and that's it. And, you know, that, that was very much like his narrative of what was going on. And I'm like, no, this is so ridiculous. Like people deserve to have help if they need it. And I felt that very prominently this year and I have struggled with am I doing enough am I you know making my time productive enough when I'm not at my day job because of the pandemic and I think I I've fallen into these habits of not allowing myself to have some fun like truly turning it off because I feel guilty as it is for being on unemployment and you know, taking money from the government when I should be working. Yeah, that's just such a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even want to. I, yeah. I would love to go down that rabbit hole, but I don't think we have to because that's in a whole that could be a whole other soapbox moment. Yeah. So I'm going to read this quote that Jace pulled out for us from KJ Foreman, a queer non-binary artist in Ottawa, Canada. And they said, I've been thinking a lot about how marginalized people's happiness being a sort of act of defiance. I found my experience with activist work to be so exhausting and disheartening while also making me feel hopeful and inspired at the same time that it can be difficult to find things to be happy about and grateful for. But it's true in a world that seems to strive to make us feel like shit. It is sort of an activism in itself to lean into what makes us happy. I love that. That's true. And that's Fuck the man. Yeah, right. No, I, I do love that because I've definitely seen this year amongst, you know, my peers and people I care about who care about their country and care about the mm-hmm. well-being of marginalized peoples not having any fun because mm-hmm. it's like I, I can't have fun. It's sort of like that guilt thing of like there's work to be done. And so I can't have any fun in the meantime. If I am, then I'm not taking this seriously. And I think this, you know, KJ makes this great point of you also deserve fun, right? That you also deserve to have some happiness and find what that is. So, yeah, I did. I did really like that quote. It reminds me of, yeah, this this Instagram account I started following, I think, earlier this year, uh, created by this woman, Trisha Jersey, and it's called The Nap Ministry. And I highly recommend everyone go check out their work. They do like performance art as well as workshops and things like that. And she started this organization. The specific aim was about like, let's get black women to take a nap. 
essentially, <laughs> you know, it. like, like, let's get specifically black women to take time away from grind culture because of the fact that grind culture is a product of white supremacy and escaping from it is mm. not being lazy as the way that it's been painted and kind of labeled on people for so many hundreds of years, but it in itself is both disruptive and it's just a human right. You know, I really appreciate something that she says in a lot of her work is this idea of like, we can't keep calling rest, relaxation, fun, a luxury, something pleasant, a reward, something you get at the end of grinding away. It's like, no, this is a human right. This is what mm. your birthright is it's not the extra it's not like the little bit of a treat that you earn for yourself um and i i also really appreciate that she you know trisha jersey seems to really practice what she preaches quite specifically like she's very open about like yeah i'm going on sabbatical for three months bye um that's great you know i think she even set up like a call-in line where you can hear pre-recorded messages that will remind you to relax <laughs> essentially <laughs> but she's cool. like but don't contact me you know like like this is literally what i deserve and so that's what i'm gonna do um she has all kinds of really wonderful inspiring quotes on the instagram and on the site but here's just one that we pulled uh where she says you can experiment with our work and rest theories by taking a nap resting for 10 extra minutes and by daydreaming we send you rest vibes for the marathon journey we all have ahead of us to build a new world rooted in liberation we will rest and that's mm. kind of the general vibe of a lot of the stuff that she puts out there and yeah i, I think it's really interesting to think about rest and think about relaxation and think about fun as something that is actually kind of subver subversive considering the culture that many of us are steeped in and especially so if you're from a marginalized community where traditionally a lot of the labor and grinding has been expected to fall on you mm -hmm. so we're gonna go on and talk about how to actually do it how do we have fun how do we play you know we've talked a little bit about kind of the history and some of our baggage around it but let's talk about how to do it and what kinds of play there are <laughs> Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsors and ways that you can help support this show to keep this content coming and this information coming to all of you out there for free. So please take a moment to listen to it and go check out our sponsors. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection and now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. 
That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So how do we do all of this in practice? How do we put our playful selves forward into the world, into exciting times? I don't know. I I, I don't know. That's a good question. We're going to try to figure it out and talk <laughs> about it. I think all three of us really have a hard time with it. Yeah. Because like you pointed Yikes. out, Emily, that all three <sighs> of us currently and in the past have jobs slash careers that require a little bit more of this constant stoking of the flames constant well, looking just, like, for the next lead constant on. caring for it you're just on right. all the time there yeah and it's not to paint a whole grass is greener situation like people who are working a nine-to-five corporate job it's not like oh everything's so great for you but i do think that that has been a factor with the three of us that makes it hard for us to switch off when it's not work time and when it's fun time i mean i can't even tell you the number of times that at the end of the day jason and i will turn to each other and we're just like are we going to have fun? Uh, I don't know. No, I don't know how to have fun. <laughs> yeah, it's usually like, what is fun? How, does, how yeah, do we even do fun? Do fun? I don't no, know. I yeah. don't know. I don't want to have fun. I'm just going to keep working. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a great place to be in. No. But, it's gross, uh, actually. We're gross. Uh, <laughs> I'm ashamed. Yeah. And, okay, I, I touched on this before, but the fact that, like, the Triforce of Communication and Radar and movies, like, we've kind of tried to structure these things into your relationships to make them better. And I hope that we have made them better, (laughs) but we, I was thinking about like the fact that we've tried to make them fun in essence for you, even if it's just in the name or the, what Jace (laughs) likes to do, like whittle it down from something that was a little bit more austere, I guess. And everything an acronym. Yeah, and making it an acronym. But that is the weird thing, though, is that if you sometimes I find if you pitch people on a tool like the Triforce or Radar or any other tool, not even necessarily all our tools, they're um, like, ugh. Yeah, ugh. They cannot seem very fun. Like, systems don't seem very fun to yeah. human beings. And I'll be honest, sometimes radars aren't that fun. I've had Mm-mm. some not fun radars for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that, again, I guess that when I think about all the stuff that we've tried to craft over the years, it's always come from a place of wanting to take a concept and make it more fun and accessible. You know, it's never come from a place of, of like people need to be more, more serious about this. Mm. God damn it. (laughs) They need to buckle down. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I I saved a quote actually from that fair playbook that I've referenced on the show a couple of times by Eve Rodsky, her book that she wrote about, um, kind of systemizing domestic labor to make it feel more fair, essentially. And she comes up against that too, you know, a very similar thing of people being like, no, this isn't fun. You know, like we like to do things organically and just kind of figure it out. Like this sounds terrible. And she points out the fact that, yeah, but also disappointment and resentment and chaos aren't very fun as well, you know? Mm. And so sometimes you need to put a system in place to actually enable you to have more fun together, essentially. And so I think about that, like with the Triforce, for instance, is that maybe on its surface, it feels a little bit weird to use this system for describing what you're going for in a conversation. But I can tell you doing that is way more fun than just like guessing or being disappointed when my partner doesn't get it or us kind of getting into a tizzy and making each other angry because the conversation has gone off the rails. So that's kind of the way that I think about it. Totally. It it almost makes me think of the idea of 
it's like, sure, you put a system in place so you don't have to spend as much time trying to negotiate those things every single time. So you can just have more time to be fun and have a good relationship. There probably is something there in relationship about like having both structured time and unstructured time as well, or like structured interaction and unstructured interaction, kind of the same way with like structured play and unstructured play. Which we're going to um, talk about momentarily. Yeah. However, I just wanted to say that perhaps, and I, I'm saying this maybe for myself more than all of you, but maybe you can get something out of it too, is that once you do your next radar or implement the Triforce of Communication or something, maybe like enjoy it and have <laughs> a little bit of fun with it. Like give yourself permission to infuse it with fun, even if that mm. just means like, okay, we have had a, a little bit of a tough month. Why don't we make sure to make this radar playful and focusing on the positive, perhaps, and like talking about the fun that we've had this month or something along those lines? Obviously, if you need to like speak about something that's really intense and really challenging, then do that. But I, I would love to maybe just have a radar like focusing solely on the good things mm. in the relationship for once, that's as opposed great. to like the challenges, you know? Yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah, so... Uh, I love that. I, I gotta remember that for myself for next time. <laughs> yeah, make a note of that. Make a post-it note. Indeed. All right. Okay, so, fun. How do you do it? I don't know, but... <laughs> oh, um, we, we've dodged the question. <laughs> yeah, no, we're gonna, we're gonna try this. So we don't so, know. <laughs> yeah, we don't, but it can look a lot, of, a lot of different ways. So, because something is fun maybe for someone else doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna be fun for you, but just give it a try. Just kind of see, see it for yourself. So there are research-based things, studies, and various things out there that discuss fun, and one of them talks about that unstructured play. So I don't even really know how I would implement unstructured play into my life. Like, I have no idea, because it's like you know, unstructured, improvised fun where you're discovering and creating the rules for yourself as you go. This reminds me of when I was on the playground as a youth. I don't think I could do that now. And I was well, like but, okay. playing Amer Felicity and American Girls. Yes. Oh, gosh. So was I. Oh, my God. It was Wait, so amazing. Oh, my amazing. God. Felicity? Well, uh, yeah, I, I had a group of like four friends or I would play Little Women and oh, everyone yeah, was fighting yes. over who got to be Joe. Who got to be Joe, of course, <laughs> every time. Okay, well, here, to bring it out of childhood and into adulthood, to have that playfulness or that that flirtiness is that like adrenaline or something that makes us like kind of be put our best foot forward or like be like super witty and like super impressive in those I moments no i I'm think like, what it I is access that all the time like with good improv rules i think that when we're wanting to make a good impression on someone or flirt with someone we're more likely to do a yes and to mm. whatever they say right like we're not quite Turn at that point where we know 11. them well enough that we're like no you doofus <laughs> um <laughs> you, you know no, like yeah. we're less likely to do the shutdown that's that's my theory but i'm just coming up with that uh, from like the top that. of my brain yeah I so like I, I thought about this a lot because this type of play was specifically the one that came up in a lot of the studies again having to do mostly with children of this kind of unstructured play because i think when you tell an adult you should play more. They're like, oh, so I have to like join a sports team or <laughs> yeah, exactly, or have a board game night or something. And I think there is something really special about this kind of unstructured, make it up as you go play that we do really, it's like, how do you even do this as an adult? And 
Or you need, like, substances to, like, get you started. I'm Gosh. serious. I'm like, geez, like, the times when I've, you know, laughed the most have, have been on substances in the recent months. And and it would be great if I could get myself to a point where that's not the case. Where, like, mm. I can be just sober Emily having fun and enjoying myself. Well, so, yeah. So, I was trying to think about this. And I think that, honestly, improv games is kind of a way to do that where there's this little bit of structure usually in those uh but but ultimately sort of the game and kind of the rules of each part of the game you're kind of making up as you go and the fact that it's changing is sort of what makes it interesting and makes it fun it also makes it challenging but i think that's kind of the point right yeah uh, and so that's something that can be helpful, even just looking those up, you know, just try them out with your partners or your friends or whoever you're around right now. Um, but then I also thought about role-playing, like, you know, like sexy, D &D. like, no, like sexy role-playing. Oh, that, I that's a cloak in the closet. That's very a much a form of that. Yeah. Is it a, clo a cloak specifically for sexy role-play? Like, no. like your vampire role like, play? Are you sure? It could be, though. I mean, it could be. That's Why the not? Thing. I, you you're go. absolutely right. <laughs> but think about that. Think about, like, a, a role play where it's, you know, one person, you know, is the, I don't know what, the doctor or the, I don't know. The vampire the doctor. doctor. The vampire, vampire doctor. The vampire doctor. doctor. The vampire. <laughs> it's funny because I just recently was playing a video game where you are a vampire doctor. So. <laughs> oh, of course. There you go. Just anyway. Find that Right, but you're playing that scene with with your partner. It's like sexy times, and it's like come into my office, and I will shut you out. Right, and the other person, yeah, I don't know. Uh. But, and like you, right there by saying that, have set up a scenario that the other person didn't necessarily know was going to happen right before you said it, and then they mm -hmm. might say, "Oh, right, well." You know, I just have to let you know I'm very afraid of blood or something. <laughs> and it's like you're kind <laughs> <Too> of, <bad. laughs> as as you're going, you're kind of having to renegotiate and kind of reevaluate. Mm. Like, okay, where's this going? Where's the fun? Like, what's... It's Count Docula. Oh, that's good. It's good. Okay. All right. There it is. Good. Everyone go do okay, Count okay. Docula. That's the end of the episode. Thank you, everyone, so much. <laughs> go have fun. It's time to play Count Docula. <laughs> I love that. The new sexy game sweeping the nation. <laughs> Count Docula. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, i'm well, gonna move us past the yeah, role playing yeah. if okay, that's okay. okay but those are thank you like those are great great suggestions that's wonderful um, i think that it's interesting that you brought up the sports team thing jace mm -hmm. i think uh, plenty of people out there get great joy and great fun out of being on a sports team or your local playing sports your local racquetball club or whatever it is that the kids are doing these days but i also think there's something really important in finding fun in moving your body in ways that feel good to your body. Because I think, again, with movement and body movement, that also has gotten swept up in this whole very, like, grind culture capitalist sense of, like, if How you're going to be doing this... yoga it, classes can you If you're going to be doing day? this, it better be getting you abs, basically. Mm, I see if you're going to be doing this, it has to be yeah. fitness. That was something I really ran into, actually, when I was belly dancing, that... um I didn't spend a lot of time teaching. I was mostly performing, but there would be times where I'd like kind of pitch to a dance studio or a workout studio, like, Hey, I would, I'm a teacher. I would love to be able to, you know, teach a class or something. But the problem is it's like, no one really wanted belly dance classes. They wanted belly dance fitness classes specifically, mm. you know, I don't want to learn the technique. I want it if it's going to give me abs. And I, 
ran into that a lot also in a lot of yoga classes in Los Angeles is that we do yoga, 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 yoga. So great. So meditative. And then our last five minutes, okay, now we're doing yoga crunches because if you come to the class and didn't do crunches, yeah, you're going to walk away thinking that that was a waste of my time. And, and so there's a lot more people out there who've done a lot more extensive writing and thinking about this than I have, or that I am doing right now. But I do think there's something really important about reconnecting to movement that is fun to you not for the purpose of losing weight, not for the purpose of getting fit, not for the purpose of any particular goal other than just moving. Because think it, that's something that kids do all the time as well, very naturally, <laughs> you know? Move like, weirdly. <laughs> I literally, uh, yesterday I spent a lot of the day watching these three kids across the street playing in the snow literally all day long. Aww. And I was just like, where do they get off? They're just like, <laughs> they don't. They're how not. are they having this much fun? Literally just running around in the snow and like shoving each other and rolling around. And that's just a thing as a kid. It's like, you don't think about I'm doing this for exercise. It's literally just like, this is how I want to move my body. Cause it seems fun. And this is the mm-hmm. way that I can move my body. So I would invite people to that as well of like thinking about what are the ways that your body wants to move that actually feels good to you instead of feels like an obligation or a chore or like I'm doing this to get abs. It's a good thing to remind myself. Yeah. All right. Oh, Emily, uh, are you obsessed with getting abs? Are you not moving for fun? I I definitely have been working out like seven times a week just to like go get outside. That was what it was first mm-hmm. to like not be so sedentary. And now it's just kind of an obsession and I need to get back to the fun of it because I do, I have like, it made myself feel like if you don't do this, you're a failure. Exactly. Exactly. The hustle culture snuck in. I know. Oh my God, it's happening again. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I appreciate, you know, working out's good for a lot of reasons, but when it becomes like that, I think, yeah, my, my partner said to me like, statistically if you work out more than five days a week it's not helping you in any way like it's not like making you happier in any way Mm. so i don't know something Mm. to to think about there Hmm. so let's talk about learning because learning can be fun and sounds like a a psa yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) go learn something kids yeah no but i i really am impressed by both of you because i feel like you always are learning things and you're so good at it and you're really like committed to it and it's very lovely and i definitely have always felt like i'm a person who like okay i know how to do a couple things pretty well and that's it but this year i decided i really need to learn music theory and so jace is awesome at it and is helping teach me music theory and at first i was like uh this is going to be kind of a drag and kind of rough because i just need to learn how to do it and now it's I, I three classes in like I've been having a blast doing it and it makes like everything kind of meld together so much better. And I'm really impressed by that. So basically, you can teach an old dog me new tricks. And <laughs> you're my favorite old dog. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate the fact that learning new things can be fun no matter how old you are. It's great in relationship also. Finding something non-work related that you and your partner can learn together is fantastic, especially if it's something neither of you have ever done before. Hopefully both of you maybe have at least a mild interest in it, but it's like, that's a wonderful, amazing bonding activity. And that also is play between the two of you. that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the same caveat that happened with exercise though happens with learning, where I find this for myself comes up and I know this comes up for Dedeker as well 
where that learning can can easily stop being fun and become another sort of work where it can feel like another sort of obligation, another sort of hustle, even if it's not a skill that directly applies to your job. It, it is sometimes, sometimes can be hard if you find yourself slipping into that. I need to structure this. I need a maximum efficiency in learning this thing. I need to really, you know, it can get focused in those same ways that like exercise can. Right. So I think that's also important to remember so, you know, maybe you do have some things that you learn in a more like, I'm going to, this is a serious sort of thing, but it's okay to learn things also just in a fun way of like, oh, I'm going to learn about gardening just because it's a fun hobby. Or, you know, I'm going to learn about European history or something just because like, whatever, I don't know, it's fun and interesting and I enjoy learning stuff, not because I want to do anything or want to pass some qualification test or get certified in something, you know? My best friend from home, he asked me for Christmas for a, like, DVD set of, what was it? It was, like, World War II, like, the rise and fall of Europe during World War II. <laughs> and, like, that's his idea of fun. And then Victorian England, so that he can, like, sit and listen to it on his, you know, while he's not lawyering. Right. I thought it was very cute and impressive. Aww, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and then our last category of fun in these here is also just daydreaming, zoning out, sleeping, meditating. I know when I think of like, I'm going to go have fun. I usually don't think of sleeping, but <laughs> that is Ugh, sometimes it's so great. Yeah, sometimes I do. Right. Well, like the whole uh, the nap ministry thing that Dedeker was talking about before. It's just allow yourself unstructured time that's just unstructured unoccupied like kind of allow yourself to be bored uh, is essentially what it comes down to and kind of embrace that and be like wow this is wonderful to be able to just kind of sit around and kind of do whatever and not have every moment structured which is a little bit different from the unstructured play which is kind of more about code discovering with someone and that this is just more about with yourself just kind of you know, just allowing yourself some time of not doing, of being a human being and not a human doing all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that. Wow. It's deep. It's deep. So let's just quickly talk about something that we've discussed before in, I don't know what episode, but a different episode <laughs> um, about how this kind of can all go into relationships and you know, bringing it back to relationships, because that's what this podcast is about, and how play is great in relationships. So the Gottmans, our favorite Gottmans, they... <laughs> they are our favorite Gottmans. That they is are true. Favorite. <laughs> yes, indeed. So they say that research has shown that engaging in novel experiences as a couple, it activates the brain's reward system. And that can produce favorable benefits for couples. So Dr. Arthur Aaron and his colleagues conducted experiments and revealed that couples who go on exciting and novel date nights and engage in fun and challenging activities have higher relationship satisfaction. So the novel experiences release dopamine and norepinephrine, which are the same chemicals that are released during early romantic courtship. So if you want to mm -hmm. get some NRE back in your life... Do something novel and fun. Just hard to do right now when a lot of us it are is. stuck at home. Not impossible. <sighs> Definitely not impossible. Yeah. But you kind of just need to put your heads together. But like Dedeker's suggestion of learning something together or 
exploring reading a, a novel new together. game, yeah. reading something together. Yeah, just doing something that you haven't, that's not part of your routine, right? Like change it up sometimes, do something that's new. Um, one of the suggestions that the Gottmans gave was dancing specifically because dance. Yes. So there's not only the learning dancing, but there's also the fact that dance is itself a little bit of an improvisation of kind of Mm. trying to interpret where the other's going and what's happening. And it's always different. You're not doing, it's not like you're doing choreography every time when you're doing like partner dancing. And that's absolutely something you could do online, you know, that you could learn Mm. online to do with, whoever it is that you, you know, who's in your bubble or who you live with. So in conclusion, our capitalist culture teaches us many things that we need to be working right now. We need to be working as much as possible. And I think most importantly teaches us someday you'll have fun. Like fun is the, is the reward. When you're retired or when you're dead. Fun (laughs) is the reward for when you've finally done all the things, when you've finally done enough. You've done all the work there is to do. Yeah, exactly. The kicker being there's no way to do all the work that there is to do. And there's no way to do enough really, because enough is never actually defined. Um, that's another recurring refrain in, um, you know, the nap ministries work is about this idea of like, you are enough. Mm. as you are without having done anything or regardless of what it is that you have or haven't done. Anyway, so just remember it's bullshit. It's false. It makes us less healthy, less happy, and also less productive if you're still worried about that at this point (laughs) in the episode. Um, But yeah, you know, I guess I can hope that what y'all will take away from this is this idea that like fun and rest are good in and of themselves. Yeah. So for our patrons, we are doing a bonus episode. Specifically, we're going to be talking about some research about video games, which is a type of fun that we didn't mention in this episode. Specifically, some research on that and their effects on adults. Again, that's something that's been studied more with children in the past, but some newer research over the last few years focuses on this with adults. So we're going to look at that in our bonus episode for our patrons. We would also love to hear from you what is your favorite way to have fun? And it's all right if your answer is, OMFG, this is the first time I've thought of that. Uh, (laughs) But on our Instagram, that'll be our question, is what is your favorite way to have fun right now? The best place you can share your thoughts about this episode with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. 